or rather uh, probably good afternoon at this point. Welcome uh, to San Jose. Good to be here. You know, I love uh, the summertime. You know, I'm a, I'm a child of the sun. I respect, I, I hold uh, those in the northwest part of the United States in high regard because they're able to survive the battle without as much sun. But the Lord knows what we need and what we can handle. Amen. You know, there's many passages in the scriptures that talk about God being like the mighty sun. In Matthew 17, verse 2, it says, His face shone like the sun. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24, it says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. And we know the sun is a consuming fire. You know, the heat of the sun can either be a scorching discomfort that causes you to hide or run away, or it can be the very source that refines every single being of your life. And for that reason, I've entitled my charge this morning, Can You Handle the Heat? Turn your Bibles. We're going to go to the Old Testament. We're going to go to the book of Jonah. Jonah. Chapter 1. The title of my first point is the easy way is never the right way. The easy way is never the right way. Let's go to Jonah chapter 1. If you're having a hard time finding Jonah, amen. God bless you. In Jonah chapter 1, we're going to pick it up here in verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a great violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lie in the ship. But Jonah... Had gone, had gone below the deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe, just maybe, he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come. Let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. The Bible says here that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. 
And the message was quite simple. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And I want you to preach against it. For their wickedness has risen to me. See, when God sees a lack of repentance, the Lord decides to get involved. And what is his answer? To send a prophet. Unfortunately, the prophet runs away. Honestly, you can say he flat rebels against God. We'll get to that a little bit later here. Jonah's life gets interrupted by God. You know, at this time in the time of Israel, it's a time where they've gained a lot of prosperity. Almost as close to the prosperous time under King Solomon. From a ministry perspective, Jonah was leading the people he wanted to lead. His own people. He was in a city he wanted to be in. And then God comes and calls him to a different direction. Nineveh was the Assyrian capital. In fact, historians think it was the largest city of the ancient world. The Assyrians were known to be very cruel people. They were cruel to their neighboring, uh, to the neighboring cities. So much so that if they would capture you, they would cut your tongue out. They wouldn't kill you. Just cut your tongue out. And if you were far about that, it would cut your nose out. I don't know. So it's most likely that the Assyrians have brutalized certain parts of Israel. And then one day, Jonah gets a knock on the door. Hey, Jonah, I got an incredible mission team waiting for you. Now, it's a one-man mission team. I want you to go to Nineveh. Now, think about this. This is Israel's arch enemy. So what happens is that, you know, uh, Jonah respectfully closes the door, says, Amen, God. And then in quiet quarters, he's rebelling against God. See, God called them to leave his countrymen, to leave his comfort. He grabs his bag, he grabs his money, and he flees. He prefers to take the easy way out versus responding to the very call that God had for his life. You know, where Jonah was, he was near Jerusalem. The Bible said that he wanted to go to Tarshish, which is kind of, think of it as modern-day Spain. So if you know, if your geography skills are up to par... They're on opposite corners. So it's clear that Jonah wanted to really run, not just run from God, but run far away from God. I call this the runner's syndrome. See, when it got tough, 
When they got uncomfortable, he took the easy way out, yet knowing it was never the right way. I think in reality, sometimes we do the same thing. We hate to deal with reality. You go below the tech and you also fall asleep. When it comes time for rent, all of a sudden you're MIA. You get a text message, no response. Said, okay, maybe, maybe there's a Wi-Fi issue, I don't know. So you try, you try Messenger. Nothing's working. The Bible says that Jonah goes underneath the deck and goes into a deep sleep. This is not a power nap. For those of you who have convictions about naps, amen. See, God is exposing the heart of Jonah, and instead of running to God, he runs to isolation. He escapes. But it is so encouraging to be a part of a church where we believe in discipleship, where we believe in calling each other past our comforts, where we have a conviction to deal with sin in our lives, where we're surrounded with gatekeepers to make sure that we're doing the right thing. People like Zama Valencia. People like Yosef, Yonan. People like Kevin Cox, the gatekeeper. You gotta be proud that you're a part of a movement of churches that refuses to take the easy way out. Here in San Francisco and all over the world, we are building this church brick by brick, verse by verse, with costly stones, which is a sold-out base of disciples. Are you with me? You know, you and I, equally, are called to preach against our Nineveh. A false reality, a lie. And today we live in a society that has sold you a message. The pleasure is king. And we are called to preach against a spineless generation. Come on, bro. The moment of discomfort, there's a quick fix. There's a lack of character of self-control. You know, one of the most large epidemics in our society, more than ever in history, is pornography. When you combine Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter, porn sites are, are visited more often than all those three combined. The industry generates so much revenue, more than the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB combined. And the world has sold you that pleasure is king. You know that the likelihood of teen pregnancies has doubled as a result? There's about 200,000 men who categorize themselves as addicts to pornography. That's self-reporting 200,000 men. What happens to Jonah? God sends them a wind. 
God sends him a storm and he flat wakes him up. And this morning, I'm here to flat wake us up as well. You with me? For Jonah, it went from bad to worse. He got up. The storm is going crazy. And now his life is on the lines. Anytime you take the easy way out, it is never the right way. It will be a quick fix, but you will pay for it later. You know, I remember growing up in L.A., I was about maybe about 13 to 14 years old. And back in the day, the cool thing to do is to go tagging, but not the tagging that you and I know. Not where you go and ask for money. The tagging of my days is when you grab a spray can and you get on the walls, on the freeways, on the, wherever you can find a piece of property and you will put your name on there. I'm not going to tell what my tagger name was. You got to ask me in the fellowship. One day... I was uh, after school, taking the bus, going home, and I was waiting for the bus, and I had one of those whiteout pens, I'm not sure they still exist today, whiteout pens, amen. Basically, you kinda, it's a pen to white out your ink. Think of it that way, amen. I'm dating myself here. I'm waiting for, I'm literally sitting at the bench waiting for the bus. Right behind me, there's a really awesome mom and pop hamburger joint. Little small place, but man, the burgers were good. So I'm there waiting for the bus saying, well, I've got nothing else to do. The only right thing to do is to tag on this bench. I mean, it's only the right thing to do. I got a, I got a whiteout pen. What are you going to do with this whiteout pen? Now, I did not know that right behind me, there was an undercover cop just enjoying his hamburger. So I grab my whiteout pen and I'm riding on the bench thinking I'm cool, you know, I'm not writing my, my name and everything. And he's probably sitting behind me just looking at me, just enjoying a bite into that scrumptious hamburger, laughing at the moment that he is done to flat talk to me. And talk to me he did. He got done, he goes, hey, what are you doing? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> This, this pen appeared, and uh, he gives me a ticket to show up to court. Now, if you know Mama Chavez, she's maybe about this height. Maybe she's you know, over age, you know, we tend to shrink a little bit, so maybe it's about this height. But you don't mess with Mama Chavez. You don't mess with Mama. I mean, she will fly beat you. She will get a chancla, she will get a... She will get anything she can get her hands on and she will let you know who's boss. So I said, well, I'm not gonna do that. The easiest thing to do is to grab that ticket and just to throw it out. Nothing happened for the first couple of months. And then one day, I was going to a cross-country practice. Now, I love cross-country runners, but let's keep it real here. Their outfits aren't the most manly. Amen. 
So I'm on my, I, I'm late for practice. I'm like, uh, yeah, I get out of my car and I drive towards practice. I forgot my wallet at home, but like it's just down the street. So I'm like driving, I'm not even looking at who's in front of me. I'm just driving really, really fast and not even knowing it that I'm tailgating a cop. So the cop does like, uh, you know, I'm tailgating him and he goes like this, like this, and like this. And the moment that I see the cop, you know what's flying through my mind is that lovely ticket that I threw away. Long story short, he pulls me out and says, let me see your driver license. I said, officer, you have to understand. I'm, I'm a competitive athlete. And I must go to my practice. I live down the street. You can, you can go check. My dad's there. He's like, wait here for a second. He goes and checks. And I have a warrant for my arrest. They flat take me to juvenile hall. And they flat hose me down. And then the, the jailers, they, they knew I could probably get out that same night, but I had no clue, you know what I mean? So they're like scaring the heck out of me. Who gonna send you to county, buddy? You gotta do, you gotta learn your lesson. I'm like, oh my God. But here's the thing though. Between the point when I was caught tagging and I got the ticket, and when I got arrested, I became a disciple. I get arrested on a Wednesday, on a Wednesday. Mama Chavez goes back to midweek and she tells the evangelist, hey, can you please pray for my son? <laughs> so, the, so the whole church is praying for my dereliction, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, taking the easy way out might seem easy when you're doing it. But you will pay the consequences later. I think some of us are taking shortcuts in our character. God is revealing the flaws and the flat sides, and you are running from it. Character is not something that remains constant. Either it gets better or it gets worse. You cannot run from it. It will always be there. Now, sisters, I know that you might like that one brother. And you're really impressed by the way that he flips those pages in the Bible. Every time he flips a page, you're like, the kingdom is good. But the problem, but the problem is that you only see him doing that on church. Let me, let me, let me help you out for a little bit. Let, let me be your father in the faith for a little bit. What you have discovered is a flat side in his character. It is not a face. It is not a bad day. It is who he is. Now, if I went hard on the sister, let me talk to the brothers a little bit. I know at the moment that one sister walks into church, you don't get, you don't get little, little, little goosebumps. You, know, you get... You kind of got fired up a little bit, you know what I mean? And you might be impressed with how pretty she is. 
But if she does not have a good character, that you don't want to go cheap with bad character. Look, there's only one way to make it to the end. It's making no shortcuts in our character. You're choosing not to run. You gotta face what God puts before you. Don't try to lighten your load like the sailors did because you're wasting your time. You're wasting your effort. You gotta throw out what's really the problem. You gotta get up from your slumber. You gotta deal with the things that God is putting before you to this morning, this afternoon. For those of you studying the Bible, you gotta stop delaying. You gotta study the Bible, become urgent. You gotta become a disciple. You need to run. You need to embrace the word. You need to make it your goal that from this Sunday to the next Sunday, you will be a baptized disciple in the kingdom of God. Let's go to Jonah chapter 2. All right, point number two. There is no limit to being hot. There is no limit to being hot. We know the story, what happens to Jonah. He gets thrown overboard. Now the Bible says that God provides him a big fish to swallow Jonah. Finally, inside of the fish, Jonah humbled out and prays to God. See, the principle is true. Either you will humble yourself or the Lord Almighty will humble you. God had to put Jonah in a position where he no longer was going to run. And in Jonah chapter 2, we'll pick it up here in the middle of his prayer inside of a smelly, stinky, dark fish. Jonah chapter 2 and in verse 7. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah unto dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. God had to flat rebuke Jonah to expose his heart. And here in this passage, we find the core reason why Jonah is running from God. Jonah had allowed a worthless idol to compete with his love for God. See, Jonah had become just simply religious. He had a place in the kingdom. He had a title. He was a prophet. He knew the scriptures. But he began to play it safe and to set limits. He lost his radical edge. You know, Jonah as a prophet appears again in 2 Kings chapter 14. And it gives us a small little window of insight into who Jonah was. 
In 2 Kings 14, God uses Jonah powerfully as a vessel. It's very probable that Jonah rose up through the company of prophets in that area. Jed, the very thing that Jonah would be preaching against was the very same thing that he became. He had acquired another god, the idol of lukewarmness. He no longer had a heart of limitless devotion. There's a scripture in Revelation chapter 3 and in verse 16 where you find Jesus addressing the issue of lukewarmness. You know, a lot of the religious world we live in today, they love John 3.16. But that same Jesus in John 3.16 is the same Jesus in Revelation 3.16. And he says this, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. In Revelations, Jesus is admonishing a whole church who lost their fire for God. And Jesus says, it makes me sick. He then, in verse 19, says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. The word spit in Revelations means to vomit, just as in the book of Jonah. See, just like God provided a fish to swallow Jonah, it was to discipline him. It was to humble him. But really it made God sick that Jonah, a prophet of God, had allowed himself to lose the fire to be a prophet to the nations. Jonah ran back to being the author of his own story. He was okay with being a prophet, but it all needed to be in accordance to his timing, his city, his people. He began to set limits with God. So God says, I'm done. I'm flat vomiting you out. Not just to save your life, but as you can repent. The incredible thing is that we read there in chapter 3 verse 1, that God gave him a second opportunity. And now we find out that God gives us many opportunities to repent. <laughs> Jonah goes to Nineveh. And the people actually repent. You know the best thing you can do for your household? The best thing you could do in your marriage? The best thing you could do in your dating relationship? The best thing you could do is to flat repent. Because your repentance has collateral impact. See, Jonah was stubborn. He thought he was running away from God and it was just him and God. What he didn't realize is that his repentance meant the whole nation needed to repent. But without him repenting first, a whole nation would be lost. You are critical to this church. 
you are critical to the movement of God. If you and I don't repent, there is nations that will not be saved. Today is so encouraging because Zacchaeus is going to get baptized. But there's collateral impact with that repentance. You'll meet Zacchaeus here in a few moments here. I appreciate Zacchaeus' heart because he has a desire to live for God. When confronted with the very words of God that came to him, he said, I'm not running from this anymore. I'm going to embrace the calling. Imagine that if you and I decided that for the next half of the year, and it's crazy, it's already June, that you and I made a decision that we're not going to set limits for God. That we're not going to set limits in our purity. That we're not going to set limits in our humility, in our giving, in our marriage, in our dreams. That the only limit we will set is that we will limit ourselves to be hot for God and that is it. Are you with me? This morning, you got to make it a deep conviction that you're not going to take the easy way out. That you're going to obey the very word of God that he puts before you. This afternoon, God has spoken to you. Do not run away from it. Embrace the calling as there's nations waiting for you. And that nation can be your mother. Can be your father. Can be your uncle. Can be your cousin. Can you be your very sibling if you do not embrace the calling? Make a decision to set no limits. And if you do so, you will be able to handle the heat. Amen. Yeah.